Welcome to All In. I'm Rick Jordan. Today I'm the CEO of a large technology company, but in 2007, I lost it all. And now I'm here to share the lessons I've learned and the strategies my guests have used to build success from the bottom up. And in every episode, you'll get something to reach for and something to grab onto. Whether it's personal development, business, technology, or giving back, you'll be able to ignite the spark in your life to make that change and transformation so 10 years down the road from now, You'll be able to look back and say, I don't even know that person that I was. I'm so glad I decided to rise. I'm so glad I decided to stand up and actually begin to start to ignite the spark, to go all in. Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan. And here's the thing for today. Starting out with this right away. Wow, I'm making rhymes. What the hell am I doing? I don't know. Squirrel. Squirrel. Right away in the beginning of this. That's awesome. So I'm here with Andrew. Andrew's awesome. Andrew's an accountant. Andrew the accountant. Is that going to be your name for the whole show? Uh, every time I address you, is it going to just be Andrew the accountant or what? Yeah, as long <laughs> as everybody your name. Yeah, the, yeah. Other, uh, <laughs> the movie where the accountant murders everybody. Uh, I'm not that type of an accountant. What? But, uh. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I'm just going to preface this with the whole thing, right? Because I ask everyone to pull away one thing from the show, and I'm going to ask you towards the end of the show to give them one thing, just as like a little freebie. And then if they learn one thing, if they're able to grab one thing out of this, share it with one friend, too. That's it. That's all I want. That's it. Because we're here to help people, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, right on. Even accountants. (laughs) (laughs) I made you laugh right away. Awesome. Here we go, my man. So... Give everyone your full name, please, because I just called you Andrew the Accountant. And, dude, how did you even get into this after you give me your name? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Andrew Klein, and I'm the founder of Z Counting. So actually, we could probably do an alphabet book. A is for accountant. Z is for Z Counting, the firm name, and throw a couple uh, debits and credits oh. throughout the way. Um, but I uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So how how I got into uh, the business that I'm running now is. Um, After I graduated from college, uh, I really hit the entrepreneur track. I worked at a CPA firm but hated my life, but I really got into entrepreneurship. And the challenge that I kept running into was I'd help start a company with a couple guys, run the the office side of it. What company was this? There's been dozens of companies, but the largest one that people have probably seen is uh, if you go to Costco, there's the Ruby Coffee kiosks, which are the $1 premium coffee. So that's the largest one. It was... uh, uh, we deployed uh, uh, about a thousand locations through um, Walmart and uh, cool. and, and Costco. As, yeah, as right you can on. See. Um, but you know, it was, it was a bunch of other software companies and, and yeah. such. And and you always want to have the hustler, the hacker, and the operations guy that holds everything together. But the challenge was is it would switch from operations and building. And we were pretty successful at fundraising in most of the companies that I worked with. And, and then it was all hands on deck for sales. But my preference was to sell a third of the company to investors and not to go out and sell $99 you know, software packages. Yeah, this is the Ruby kiosk? It, well, so the Ruby kiosk was was a, a, a little different because I, I ran all of um, finance for Ruby. And then once it was acquired by uh, Redbox, I ran um, all of New Venture uh, finance and accounting. Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Which is interesting. The, the coffee thing was acquired by Redbox, the DVD right. rental thing? Yeah, yeah. The, so they were what? essentially... Yeah, so Coinstar, the parent company of Redbox, wanted to own the whole front side of the grocery store okay. and have um, kiosks, essentially. There's the tie. Like Coinstar, Redbox, okay. coffee, etc. So back to uh, why I have an accounting firm that focuses on entrepreneurs is because I, I ended up 
after going in and out of some successful startups, some not as successful startups. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tend not to want to use the F word because uh, a lot of people have issues with it. But you can find fail conferences and stuff like that. But oh, that I'm F gonna word. I'm going to tend to that not F- use. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That that's the worst F yeah. word. You can. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if actually on your podcast you use that. Place, I don't know. But, no, I, um, I well, I, I use the word fail, fail, but I don't. Family yeah. friendly show. It is. Um, yeah, we're not explicit, but I mean, at the same time, that is kind of a very descriptive word that applies to a lot of things. Yeah. There's my little two cents for the day. But you're talking about fail. That that f word. Yeah, the the failure f word. It's I like it's fail. Just, it's a really um, uncomfortable topic, I think, for entrepreneurs. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that but, laugh? That was great. I got to do. Ha! <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, and and when we when we talk about failure, sort of in in the group of entrepreneurs that I hang out with, uh, we talk about failures as giving up and not continuing to put, push forward. Okay. So not as much as like, oh, our company failed, but as long as you're still trying and you're still making an effort. Which actually brings yeah. me back to the reason why Z Counting exists. Because nine out of ten businesses fail. And according to CB Insights, eight out of ten reasons that businesses fail is due to a financial mishap or error. All right, you're saying a lot of stuff here. Let's backtrack real quick. So you're saying nine out of ten businesses fail. You're talking small Common businesses. Common statistic. Exactly. Yeah. You start a business, you're more likely to fail than so succeed. So th- those who are listening right now, Nine out of ten of you who are listening right now, if you're listening with somebody, look to them if you're having like a watch party on YouTube or something like that. Most of you sitting around each other are going to fail in business. Yeah, it's really tough. That's why I don't like the F word because it's really personal and it just it just like hurts. right? Yeah, but that's the straight truth, though, man, is that nine out of ten will fail. You know, I have not had I've had many businesses. Not every single one of them has been like a shining success. And that's the best part of this is that you don't, you're going to fall. You're going to get knocked down. But how many times, I mean, what, what, Thomas Edison, you know, or, or whoever, you know, was going after whatever in life. I'm talking about the light bulb, you know, but how many times did they have to fail before they finally hit that jackpot? Meaning they finally impacted to help transform lives. I, mean, I like light bulbs. You like light bulbs? <laughs> well, it depends <laughs> on the type of light bulb. I'm, I'm kind of getting into smart light bulbs now. Yeah. But, uh... but it's a, correct me, it's good to fail, right? Well... It's so, good to fail. So I've built a business on preventing failure cool. by helping people understand the the major obstacle. I, I mean, when you look at failure and you're talking about when your business yeah. failed, what I mean, it's not like you failed because you know you didn't want to do your business anymore, right? Or or you you failed because you know it wasn't sunny enough days. Yeah, right? like yeah. you failed because you didn't have the cash flow that it took to support your business and your lifestyle. Now right? that I'm tracking with you on that because you know even Robert Hershevac I was hanging out with him about 2 years ago and he told me that when you run out of cash is when you die. That's like the biggest failure point of any business, you know, if you're mismanaging or whatever, but as soon as you run out of cash or capital, then you're just dead. You have nowhere to yeah. go at that point. So, about 6 years ago I was running an angel investment group and what I was identifying was the entrepreneurs sucked at explaining to investors yeah. how they would not run out of cash, how they would not fail. And when you're talking about there's such a big market, we're such a great team, that doesn't address the investor question of how they get their money back. Sure, sure. And so I thought, 
Well, and then also the investors sucked at making investments. Uh, you know, everyone knows that Seattle is is a tough place to get funded because yeah. the investors are really tough. And and a lot of the investors in, in other markets like San Francisco, they've all sort of invested in startups that have sort of had like good exits. Yeah. And they've all sort of recirculated that money. So everyone says that in San Francisco, they're playing on house money and they've been doing it for about 20 years. But in Seattle, a lot of the people made money themselves. And you have the stratospheric wealth that we have here in Seattle and they place their money in funds and various things. But the angel investors tended to be a lot of really high paid employees that may have been early stage, but they weren't in the same, you know, there wasn't the same recycling of money like there was in San Francisco. Okay. So there's not a lot of house money, I feel like, in Seattle, whereas there are in other in other all markets. All right. So all these businesses are failing. And the biggest point that they're failing on is being able to tell investors how they're going to get their money back. I mean, right? I That's think the that biggest point. there's, there's, out of the ten reasons you yeah. failed, so we, we can we can talk through ten. And I should have brought a list, and we can put it on your channel later. I don't but, like lists. You know, if <laughs> if you're looking, there's a bunch of team issues that can implode a team and kill a company that then has the effects to the financials. Okay. you're either not building your product, you're not delivering to customers. If the team implodes, you're screwed. There's nothing that we can do at Z Counting yeah, to prevent yeah. a team from imploding, other than like making sure the team meets on a monthly basis to review the sure, financials. Sure. The other challenge is product market fit. If you can't find a customer that wants to buy what you're building, or if you can't build something that customers want, you probably shouldn't be in that business. And you, you should hit probably on something, shut it down. Right on. Right? You hit something key there, you know, because it's not, it's never something that this is, a, God, it's another straight truth. It really is. Because if you're just going out there and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing. It solves a problem. All of my customers need this. Well, that's great. Do they actually want to buy it? There's a difference between needing and wanting when it comes to business. And if you want to make money fast, if you want to scale up quickly, you need to find something, a product or a service to what you're saying that your customers are actually going to want. Not that they need two different things. Sometimes they can be in the same, but if you find something they want, you're going to scale quickly. And that's how your investors are going to get paid back too. And you're going to raise more capital. Am I right? Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, as long as the customers <laughs> are buying that. your dog food. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I would also um, add to that, that you want to find that pain pill. You want to find the pain pill, not the vitamin. You want to find something that people have to buy that solves a real problem, not something that's nice to buy. Because stuff that you have to buy sells fast because you have to buy yeah, it. Yeah. But something that's like nice, like like I've got protein powder at home and I do smoothies sometimes, but clearly I'm not going to the gym as much as I could be. So I don't like have to have that, right? Okay. But in the morning after, you know, having a few too many drinks, I have to have an aspirin. Yeah, and so yeah. I would rather be in the aspirin business than the protein powder business. I get you. Yeah, it's something that's more broad market. Absolutely. So we'll zoom back six years zoom to back. working at an angel investment firm, seeing investors struggling to figure out how much money to put in, how to put in the money, when to expect that yeah, money to come yeah. back. Entrepreneurs struggling to explain to the investors why they should even invest in their company, other than the fact they've got a great product, which people falling in love with products with no customers is pretty common, I think, with these. <laughs> like, I, I mean, engineers yep, yep. in Seattle are awesome and they're so smart. Um, but the challenge is it's, it's just um, if you don't have a customer and you're not doing any sales, you're not going to yeah. get very far. Yeah. But I, I, I realized if I could help the entrepreneurs understand their business better and help them answer those investor questions even before they were asked, I'd, I'd, I'd be solving a major problem for entrepreneurs. Give me the top investor question outside of how do I get my money back? 
<laughs> I think that you have to really understand the investor before being able to answer that question. Because I think for different investors, the top question is going to be on their perceived failure of their last startup. And so I encourage all the entrepreneurs that I work with to do product market fit conversations with investors yeah, yeah. before starting their fundraising round. And you know, I would argue that having investor conversations is your yeah. fundraising round regardless, but creating an opportunity where you're starting to fundraise after having built the relationships and built the trust makes that fundraising, like the live fundraising process and the collection of checks a lot yeah, quicker. Yeah. But back to how do you sort of get off the ground in the first place? Yeah, where and do you how need do you to go that to where your investors say, I'm interested, I want to have this meeting to begin with? Okay. Yeah, and I, th I think there's a, there's a couple different things you can do. And I think a lot of people discover their problem while working at another job. Or doing something else and so yeah they do right on i'm a big proponent of of keeping the day job and then just adding a second day job because if you're really inspired yeah. about something working till midnight or or you know working weekends is what you'd rather be doing anyway yeah. right and and as long as you can balance your your family obligations um which is also is also challenging but sure you know the typical w2 job is is not that hard you know and you can really optimize your work time and with technology today you can probably get your 40 hour a week job done in 20 to 30 hours a week and i think a lot of people do and they're spending that other 20 hours doing coffee breaks and getting lunch for right? sure there's not much creativity in a w-2 job because you're typically given especially if it's corporate you're given parameters saying this yeah, is what you need to accomplish and this is. is exactly how you do it just go through these steps and then you're a good employee for sure for sure and so take that good employee paycheck yeah and and make you know, little investments in what you're doing. So you ask, what what do investors want to invest in? Yeah. They well, want a company with kick-ass traction, right? Something established already, yes. So sure. where they can see that, so th I'm just paraphrasing what you're saying, yes, kick-ass traction would be, hey, I see that you're all in with this already because maybe you've invested some of your own dollars from your W-2 job into this. And you forced it to this point. You have willed this into existence. Now I'm willing to talk to you. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I think there's different levels of in, investors as well. And oh, I, yeah. I talked about the uh, the people that have stratospheric wealth in the Seattle area. Um, there's, a, there's a venture fund, actually, Trilogy, that okay. was started by some of the people that invented cellular. Um, essentially created T-Mobile, Western Wireless. Yeah, yeah. And Trilogy is a really awesome venture fund because they're what, what's called an evergreen fund. So their money doesn't have to ever be distributed back to partners because their partners created cellular and don't need the money. And right so on. the fund continues to funnel the money back into the fund to make more investments in the fund. Yeah, yeah. But the traction that you need to get to get them interested is they want to put in a big dollar amount they want to put in a couple million dollars because they've got billions, right? Yeah. And so for them to make a difference, they need to put in millions of dollars. So to get their money, you need to be pretty far down the line with an existing business that can absorb that money and use it effectively. And so so that's that's VCs. Then you've got the uh, the sort of angel investor category sort of just below that. That come before the VCs. Yep. That, are, that are smaller yep. than the VCs. Yeah. And and the problem that we have is is the market's just been on such a tear. Yeah. Um, 
and a lot of people have a lot of money. And so a lot of these angel investors are acting more like VCs. They're wanting the bigger traction. They're wanting the bigger, yeah. more established companies. They're wanting to put in larger dollar amounts, maybe not millions, but in the, in the mid to high hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And, and those are great investors to have because they're not going to be on your back like VCs. They can fill some of that gap. You can also tap them for debt if it's appropriate for your yeah, business. Yeah. Uh, traditional debt. So say you're yeah. creating a product company. I actually um, just talked to a friend that's going through YC on a uh, a luxury um, pet goods company. Oh, fun. And, and I think her company would be perfect for some equity to get the the office open right to get her designers to create these luxury pet goods to to get maybe the engineers to scope them out and draw them and create the website right so let's use equity to fund that but when you're buying your inventory of you know a million uh dog purses or whatever they are that's short-term credit yeah yeah just you don't need investors for that well you can if your investors are these super angel investors that i'm talking about they can kick in 100k for equity and another 100k for debt to finance that inventory. Yeah, and yeah. that way your investors get really excited about your business because they feel like they're getting paid back all the time. Right on. And so so what I think the earliest stage of company needs to be looking for is is probably their most important investor and 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 someone who's not going to need all this like traction and all all these things. They're they're going to be looking for the person who who gets them and and understands them and is investing in them as a as an individual for sure opposed to having all these criteria because when you're starting a business you still have a lot of stuff to figure out and you might not have those investor questions yeah and yeah. i think the most important investor that you have is yourself and so i think th- and, and the so entrepreneurs key, that yeah. are most successful are their own angel investor yeah right, right? on there's so many great alternative ways, and that's a you know the, the traditional methods to establish and get that traction off the bat. Just that I want to challenge everybody to just blow up the box, you know, and just start thinking exactly how you are. And this is maybe one one thing for today is that invest in your own stuff. Be your angel investor. Because if you don't believe in it, if you're not willing to kick in your own money and have skin in the game, then you shouldn't be going after this to begin with. Be that cheerleader for yourself and have that traction to to show for it and show yourself that I'm really into this. I'm putting my own dollars into this because that's how much I believe in it. I am all in. I'm pushing in all my chips to make this happen. Yeah. So I do want to, because we talked a little bit pre-show about crepes, right? <laughs> well, I was actually just thinking about that, and I was thinking about, you know, that's another great example. But uh, I studied abroad in France, and um, I was actually the first customer of Starbucks in Paris. Oh, really? Which was, which was pretty wow. cool. And I thought it was as simple as you go to Europe, you discover something, you bring it back to America, yeah. you become a millionaire. I didn't know what billions were back in like, you know, <laughs> the early 2000s or uh, maybe late 90s when uh, Starbucks launched in France but uh, I when I came back to America I realized there's no crepes and and you could argue whether crepes were a pain pill or or a vitamin yeah yeah um, but I think there's a lot of viewers out there that would say you know crepes are definitely a pain pill because you gotta have them right oh lord they're so good way to get them and so so I real thanks 
<laughs> yeah, I, I need know. one right in front of me yeah, right now. now it's, yeah, now you know it's probably almost lunchtime or breakfast time somewhere. Maybe some bananas, some strawberry, dying, and some whipped cream. Oh, go but ahead. I actually started that company while I was in college. I graduated with an accounting degree and started to work at an accounting firm. But in in the meantime, while I was in college yeah. and while I was working my my job at a at a large accounting firm. Um, nights and weekends. I, I used to do this thing every Friday night. I'd do a crepe party at my house. Yes. Right. So if you were my one of my college buddies, dude, how have I not known you? Yeah. Because yeah, I, totally. I, you need to be in my life for real. <laughs> well, I'm for in crepes. your life now. You are. Yeah. Thank God. Um, <laughs> I'm just really expensive in crepe. <laughs> uh, but at any rate. So <laughs> So we, uh, oh my God. I'm a high price yeah. crate maker now, <laughs> but at, at any rate, what I would do is I would do these Friday night parties and I, and I built a real customer base, a lot of my friends and supporters, but we we're able to sort of do the R and D. So I, I would encourage people cause you know, I was still a broke college yeah. kid when I started. Yeah. Okay. I'll make the crepe batter, right? Cause crepe batter is really cheap. You guys bring the toppings, right? And so we got to play with whatever people brought. So, you know, one person brought like, Indian lunch buffet or you know something what? like a curry and we ended up putting that on our menu for one of our lunch and dinner items at the restaurants when nice. they eventually opened and so uh, you know and you, we went through sort of sort of everything and and also through that um, I don't know if people know about Aptio the company Aptio but uh, Sunny Gupta the founder was actually a mentor at the business plan competition very cool when I was in college and so my real first dollar I made um, to start the company was Sunny Gupta hiring me uh, to cater his company party <laughs> at, at his old company, and it was with the curry crepes. Yeah, and yeah. this actually brings me to one of the reasons why you want to hire our accounting yeah. firm, or, or at least track your numbers and understand the numbers, because Sunny said, "Hey, I'm doing a corporate party of about 20 people. Yeah, what would it cost for you to make crepes for my party? Because we were doing savory crepes and yep, yep. sweet crepes, and and as a college kid and not really knowing the numbers back then, and having just sort of done crepes." for my friends and use my yeah, you know, yeah. mommy daddy credit card to buy the ingredients I uh, I thought of what's the most that anyone would pay to do something like this and as a college kid I thought $200 was a lot of money repeat right? that what's the most anyone would ever pay to do this to do this right because this is an right? investor like exactly what's the most anyone would pay to do this and I didn't go do research I just thought holy crap if I could make $200, I'd be so rich. And think of all the beer you could buy in college with $200. Yep, yep. And, so, and so I told him, I said, well, how does $200 sound? And he goes, if we double it, will you do the bartending too? We'll buy all the booze. Nice. And I said, hell yeah. <laughs> we probably spent $800 to do the catering. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is the next step. Uh, if, if, you keep, uh, if you don't know your numbers, Whoops. you're yeah, going right to spend on. more to produce the thing. But, you know, it, it's... It's those uh, little things. So we started doing, you know, we did a catering for Sunny Gupta. Yeah. Great customer, great um, reference customer, really. And so we were able to replicate that into more. And so by the time that I was getting ready, that I'd really been yeah. fed up with working at an accounting firm, because in general they suck, right? And and the one that I work well, for. Well, we're talking about dentists and accounts. <laughs> I like my dentist. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And if you had it, us as your accounting firm, you'd probably like there us. There we but, go, yep. You know, I, I was just burnt out of, of accounting firms taking advantage of the customers and this hourly billing thing and just a lot of the stuff that we've just like done away yeah. with and, and the communication cycle is just being really painful and I said you know what I'm done with this I'm going to go do my startup and I, and I knew a lot about crepes and so when I went to Westlake Center shopping mall and we started to talk about a lease um, I and knowing the numbers at this point I said hey guys you guys are experts in real estate I'm an expert in crepes. 
why don't you build the location out for me? Yeah, yeah. And I'll start selling crepes. And and we started selling a thousand dollars a day in three dollar crepes back in you know 2004 That's awesome. 2005 yeah. but we didn't even need investor funding and at that point i didn't really understand investor funding to the same extent that i understand yeah. it today uh, that we were actually able to have our our landlord fund our build out huh. that we paid for in rent presumably of course right? but it didn't of feel course. like it because rent was expensive yeah anyway and and we didn't need investor funding at that point and so then and we never took investor funding in the crate business because a, a few years later the economy crashed, and in the meantime I was making so much money as twenty-two year old kid yeah. selling crepes that <laughs> it didn't seem like it was a it, there was a need for investors. For sure. But but I think that you know opportunities like that where you can understand uh, yeah. your customer, and at, at that point the customer was the landlord, right? And and be able to get the funding from from that type of a creative source opposed to having to go to that in, that investor and have that you know ticking time bomb of them needing their money back sort of haunting you through right your on. business. Yeah, if you were going to establish this, and I don't know how far you took this, the great business, but if you were going to scale and sure. build out a thousand stores nationwide, that would be the time to take on investors, correct? Because it, totally. you, you have your proof of concept, you have funded the thing yourself Pretty much up until this point, you know, you got some creative debt that you worked into it, which was amazing to get things going. It's successful, and now you need to grow this. Yeah, and when you look at traditional businesses like a restaurant, right? Yeah. And I'd argue that crepes are super special and they're not traditional, but but I would agree with you <laughs> that they're super special. <laughs> but on the me- on the metrics of a restaurant or yeah. most companies that that you see around right and you can be successful yep, yep. and scale a, a, a traditional business right but you you have the standard multiple for those businesses right and and a restaurant go on to craigslist and google i want to buy a restaurant and you can <laughs> find out what is a restaurant really worth yeah right on and so my view on funding and this is 22 year old andrew right yeah, yeah my view on funding was I had to get out of traditional metrics of restaurants, yeah. and I had to be able to tell a story about why my crepe business was worth more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not using profanity, but why it was worth a ton more yeah. than the traditional metric yeah. of buying yeah. a business on Craigslist. Because if I would have taken, say, you know, $10 million to build out 25 more locations, yeah. right, then and I would have done traditional multiples, they would have owned my whole business right five on. times over, right? For sure. And so so I think that's you know, that's another reason to really test out your assumptions on the numbers, understand the numbers and work with someone that can help you help you do that. And yeah. a lot of people have, you know, friends or relatives or willing to be mentors. I think that's the other thing oh, that yeah. was a big blind spot for me in my in my first business that I really encourage all of our clients to do is find that 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 mentor that you really look up to. And, and and that person that's like far above your league that yep. you aspire yep. to be, and give them a call and ask for help. And uh, in in my example, there was a guy at Starbucks because I was really inspired by Starbucks, and and there was a guy at Starbucks that helped create Starbucks's real estate strategy and a lot of their oh, very branding. Cool. Um, that I uh, <laughs> serendipitously um, met at uh, at Blue Sea Sushi, which was a sushi restaurant here in here in Seattle. But I pretty much went there until I met him because I heard that he went there a lot. Uh, and then I made him my mentor um, That's through great. college. And, and I still, uh, today, yeah, yeah. Uh, will meet with him. Um, but I think that ha- had I used his advice earlier on, 
I probably could have gotten an investment really early on, and I yeah, probably yeah. would have been willing to give up a lot of the company at that point to have him on the team because it would have made uh, a world of difference to the success yep, of that yep. business. But I think that if founders are thinking, someday I want to get investor money, right? Or all I need is some investor money to start this company is start to build a relationship with those people in advance of having to ask them for money. So going back to my little Beautiful. dance with investors, when people invest, they tend to want to invest with their friends. Yeah. Because it's yeah. a pretty social thing, right? Which is why they meet for wine groups. Well, yeah. Well, that's your first step is get to know them first. For sure. On a personal level. That way they understand who you are and what you're all about. Totally. Yeah, and then man. also meet their friends, right? Yeah. if you can yeah. convince, uh, you know, if an investor introduces you to one of their friends and their friend wants to invest, then they're sure as hell yeah. to invest too, right? For sure. Absolutely, my so, man. Well, this has been great, dude. We covered a lot of my favorites today. I'm talking crepes and sushi, you know, and, and, and money. <laughs> you know, that's another one. <laughs> that's everything. Sweet. I, I know you've got zcounting.com, the letter Z, but where can everyone find you on social? Yeah, so um, we've just started an Instagram because I think that uh, – I, I've been to a couple conferences. I have yeah. a client that's just on a tear with uh, influencer marketing. Awesome. But you should do a whole piece on influencer marketing because it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, if you haven't already done yeah. it. <laughs> um, but uh, so so we started a uh, an Instagram. So it's Instagram slash Z Counting. And Z Counting, uh, I just replaced the A with the Z. So there's no A in Z Counting. There we go. Um, so ZCC. O U N T I N G. Awesome. Um, so that, that's probably where I'm. I'm becoming more active. Um, we're also on Facebook and and Twitter at the same. Awesome. Same. Very cool, my so. man. Well, it's been fun talking to you. Yeah, this has been a blast. Yeah, cool. That's it. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Mid calf. Okay, got it. Yep. Mid calf. How's that? Yeah. Halfway between a cow and a. I know. Halfway between a cow and. <laughs> <laughs> I was th- I was thinking like decaf. Yeah. Like no. half yeah, decaf. Half I am way caffeinated. Calf. Way caffeinated. I do like half calf. You gotta go all in with your calf. Uh, you're right. <laughs>